0: Welcome to working dog radio broadcasting the bite
1: we here at working dog radio are so proud of our relationship with southern coast canine bill heiser does some amazing work down there in florida go see for yourself all they have to offer at www.southerncoastcanine.com that's southern coast the letter k the number com. southern coast canine better training better results, better dogs.
2: Truescentcanine.com That's the letter K, the number 9. Truescentcanine.com Actual explosive odors suspended in silica, not a pseudo. Hit them up.
1: Truescentcanine.com This episode of Working Dog Radio is being brought to you in part by RayAllen.com. RayAllen.com, your one-stop shop for everything dog-related, not just canine, not just search and rescue, not just civilian sport, and not just pets, all of it. Everything related to a dog you can find at RayAllen.com. Be sure to mention the discount code Working Dog Radio for 10% off your next order. RayAllen.com for all things dogs. Uh, It's
2: Ted. Eric and I make no bones about the fact that we love Dogtra. We've been using them even long before they were sponsors of the podcast. Uh, My favorite is the 1900S Hands Free. I typically have the remote in my pocket, and I just put the other remote inside my glove or on my wrist, and I can use that thing all day long. It's fantastic. Dogtra is going to continue to be a sponsor of the podcast, and because of that, you guys get a discount. So if you head to Dogtra.com... Any unit over $200, you'll get a 10% off if you use the discount code WDR10. That's Working Dog Radio, one zero wdr 10 dogger.com,
1: go get it. This episode of Working Dog Radio is brought to you by HITS Training and Consulting. Next year, August 13th through the 16th in Chicago, Illinois, the number one police canine conference in the world Hands down, the most amazing instructors there. Wait till you see the vendor show. If you thought last year was big, you haven't seen anything. There's going to be vendors from every facet of the canine industry, giveaways, everything you can think of, great times during the day, great times at night. Ted and I will be there, Working Dog Radio booth, going to have a good time. HITS 2019, don't wait, register now. HITS
2: I want to take a second to talk about equipment selection for patrol work. One of the most important aspects of teaching and maintaining patrol functions is your equipment. Proper equipment selection and fit makes all the difference in the world when it comes to creating and maintaining patrol and sport dogs. This episode is possible in part with support from Arno at ALM Suits. Because of the importance of this equipment, I use ALM Suits exclusively. I've owned one for about five years and use it almost daily at the kennel and have caught thousands of dogs and tens of thousands of bites. Arno was able to make a great fitting suit for my lanky ass and I couldn't be happier with it. Arno can take your measurements and make you a suit each and everything he does in his shop in Vegas. Between the top-notch materials and the handmade aspect, you're getting some of the best bite equipment in the world from ALM. The suits come in a full range of weights, from training weight to comp weight, which is what I use because I'm not a pussy and you shouldn't be either. He offers some Kevlar inserts to make the thinner suits a little safer and more comfortable, plus they keep your tattoo artist happy. He makes a full range of toys and reward tugs also. Be sure to hit him up at aln 9 equipmentcom That's the letter K, the number 9 or Arno, A-R-N-O at suits.com. Be sure to use the discount code WDRadio
1: for 10% off your first order. Tell him you heard it here. Now go get bit. Hey, everybody. This episode of Working Dog Radio is brought to you in part by Silver State Canine. Our good friend Cameron Ford over there at Silver State Canine, their premier training facility located in Las Vegas. They have handler schools, trainer schools, and fully trained detection dogs available for sale due to their relationship with the Canine Cognition Center at Duke University. Silver State Canine training is all based on proven scientific methods that produce the most reliable dogs. They have yearly seminars and welcome people to attend them. Their staff has over 70 years of combined experience from military special operations to federal and local. Local law backgrounds. Silver State Canine is the gold standard of detection dogs and canine training. Visit them at silverstatecanine.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Silver State Canine.
2: Uh, it's Ted Working Dog Radio broadcasting the bite. This is a special dual episode with the cats from Police Canine Radio. So uh, with me, as always, is my co-host Eric Stambro from Canton, Ohio. Eric,
1: what's up? Do you guys warm up yet? Oh yeah, man. Like yesterday, it was. It got up to fifty and today it was no coat weather you know it's pretty good Um, I have a an explosive detection dog I'm training for a a client in New York and I have not been able to get this dog on cars because it's been so (laughs) ungodly cold so today man we were at at this impound lot that I use and introduced her to vehicles she rocked it the funny thing is I got I have another dog a Malinois um, police dog with me and I got him out to let him run around in this it's fenced in just to let him run around this son of a bitch um saw a bird flying like way up and um had I not had I th- there may have been breaches in that fence I don't know I had him on an e-collar and had to do an e-collar recall he was gone gone after this bird he did the same thing to me at a park about three weeks ago with a plane an airplane I got him recalled before just before he hit the highway I'm like dude what are you doing brother so he's you know 1900s dogtra 127 to stop him in his tracks This dude is... Really? I'm like, you're not catching them, you moron. Hmm. But but anyway, he's a good dog. He will bite the shit out of you. <laughs> um, so the funny yeah. thing is I, I, I had him climb up a, an old car today, run up the hood and get up on the roof so I could get a picture of him. Actually, it's on my Instagram story. And um, after that, he ran and jumped on like 30 cars. I'm <laughs> like, I hope, I hope they don't want these cars back because they're all <laughs> fucked up. <So. laughs>
2: no,
1: yeah. Uh, hmm. I got handler school starting
2: next week. Uh, Hagner's coming down from St. Louis, which will be good because, uh, I'm not going to be in a suit for a little bit cause I got nuked last week by uh, a dog, which, uh, yeah, got to go to the ER and get stitched up. That was fun. So <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. You can't teach dogs yep. bite people and act shocked when they do. <laughs> that sucked. It was a big dog too. But yeah. Other than that, picking up some new dogs and have a bunch of new ones starting. The weather starting to break, so Scott is able to and I are able to track a little more, which has been nice. And our water is unfrozen, which is good. So that was that was a uh, mm-hmm. very very the kennel water was frozen, so we were trucking it in in like giant gas cans to clean and water everybody, which is a fucking pain in the ass. So today. Uh, we're going to do a joint episode with the guys from Police and Radio. Uh it's another podcast on iTunes, Google, same place you can get ours. The dudes from the West Coast. Uh first up, we have Tim. Tim, what's going on?
0: What's going on, fellas? Thanks for having us, man. And yeah. I can totally I, I can totally reason with you guys about the weather. It was about 67 <laughs> degrees <laughs> the <fucking> past <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: fucking California. Well, good night had, everyone. Yeah. Good night. It was good good to hear from you. We had
2: fucking Melnik on from he's on the you know, the seal team show, uh he's a friend of ours, but it was cold as shit when everybody was like, Oh, it was like seventy five degrees here today. I'm like, eh, fuck, you know,
0: he's in LA of course, but yeah, so yeah, I, yeah, I'm sure you feel bad for me. <laughs> Dude, mm-hmm. fellas, I, we hate the politics out here, but we love the freaking weather, man. I can't, I can't <laughs> complain. And, and as far as freaking dog yeah. training goes, like what a beautiful, you know, in the summer it gets a little shitty when it's 110, you know, but for the most yeah. part, man, it's, it's freaking, it's nice out here. So, uh, but thanks you guys for, uh, for having us on, man. It's a, it's, it's going to be a good time.
2: Yeah, sure. So, um, give us a little bit of your background and how we got
0: to this conversation. Like what led us up to here? Yeah, i Absolutely. So, a little bit of background. I'll, I'll go over it briefly. Um, I started, you know, I got hooked with dogs. I was actually in high school and I was going through like a paramedic uh, firefighter course. And all the SAR guys needed people to go hide out in the freezing ass cold in some dump. It was literally like they were doing it in like a dump yard and they were stashing people for their SAR dogs to go find. And I was like, shit, I'll do it. You know, like up to 17, I'll, I'll go, you know, out there and hide and do this, this little lab, man. He, I, I just, after lab, after lab, dog after dog kept nailing me, you know? And I was out there for like six hours. Um, I was like, man, this is so freaking cool that humans can utilize dogs in such a fashion. So that kind of got me hooked. After high school, picked up my first German Shepherd, took him out to a local Schutzen Club. And it was a Schutzen Club that was, I mean, they were competing internationally every year. So I went out there and I was was young and I had played sports in high school and was fairly athletic. And they were like, hey, you wanna be a helper? And I was like, yeah, man, I'll like cut the grass and do stupid shit. Like, you know, like I'll help out, you know, and they tossed me the sleeve and I was like, oh, a helper, you know, like, OK. Oh. And uh, yeah, I was like, oh, shit. I didn't mean like, OK, this is a helper, you know, I don't know about all that. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and dude, I they sent a, this big old he was actually not a huge German shepherd. He was probably good size. He's like 75 pounds, 80 pounds super quick and he had his IPO three and, and, uh, dude, I got bit and I, I, I was hooked, man. And just throughout the years, I had put myself through the police academy and, uh, became a cop and, and my, when I was going to college, just, I started working kind of like as a CSO and I had prior experience with dog, dog training and they were like, Hey, you're going to go help out our canine unit. And then from there it just flourished, man. And, and I started doing uh, police canine trials up and down the, up and down the state of California. California and decoying at conferences and training seminars and that's actually where I met Greg about six, uh, six seven years ago now um, was just doing police cannon trials and uh, so Greg and I had very like-minded theories and training ways so uh, after a couple of years we linked up and we started training and you know I started working for Greg and and I then handled a the dog on the street for a little bit and this dude it's just been, it's been a crazy journey to look back on Um, what's happened over the past 10, 11 years. And it's just, uh, it's cool. And then we get to meet, you know, talk with guys like you and how cool is social media? I mean, we live in California, Northern California and we're talking to guys that are in, you know, uh, Oklahoma and in Ohio, man. It's just, it's just freaking cool. So that's kind of the back, my background.
1: Yeah, I love it. Um, I love it. We get to talk to folks all over and um, find out how much we have in common and how different things are and stuff like that. It's, it's pretty good. You know, it hasn't been like that for a long time though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it just, it's so cool with like-minded trainers and, in Eric, I've been following you on social media for like a couple of years now. And I was like, man, this guy does everything that we like the targeting teaching dog, you know, young dogs targeting. And it was like, dude, this is freaking cool. And it's nice to see like-minded trainers throughout the country and, and have that resource and, uh, have that resource to bounce stuff off of, you know, and, and Greg and I are big proponents to like, you know, we, we do stuff together and we go, Hey, you know, and we'll bounce it off another train trainer, like-minded trainers. So mm-hmm. to add two more guys to the pot where we can shoot a text or call and say, hey, dude, this is what happened. What do you think? Man, it's, it's priceless. That's awesome.
1: We have, you have a partner in your podcast, Greg, who I believe is... <laughs> Some he's out on yeah. <laughs> in the he woods. Three computer, yeah. He got the computer when wood. fucking Clinton was in office. He's hey, holding it a was, rabbit it was antenna was state up. of the
3: art in 2010. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: 2010. I, Listen, I I can't say anything, brother, because the I'm on a, on a regular laptop right now. But my main thing I use is a Mac, probably pretty close to that old. It it's probably yeah, pretty close. It, I just told problem, my wife the other day. I said this thing is dying. Well, that's um, the problem. They're, they're recently retired, Greg. I know the feeling. Mm -hmm. Um,
3: Let's get into your background a little bit, buddy. My story starts way back in the early 90s when, I don't know how old you are, Ted, but I know Tim was was still in... Probably elementary school. <laughs> um, yeah, I do. I was, no, Eric I was and I actually yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, that's what I was afraid I of I turned fifty so I, I this think, year, so Yeah. I'm fifty two, so we're we're kinda right on the same plane there. But uh, I started out in the early nineties, got a German Shepherd puppy and went out to a local trainer and he was an old German trainer and very Keeler esque as I would say, which just means like more of a compulsive type style. You know, we had throw chains and choke chains and if you bring out food or a toy then you're bribing your dog. Um, so mm-hmm. that's where I started I, got out there and I started working with these canine handlers because he trained police dogs too. And I'm like, this looks like a, a pretty fun job. Like you get to take your dog to work and then drive fast and, you know, catch bad guys. But um, little did I know about the whole paperwork end and the other 95% of the job that actually occurs. Only 5% is actually the fun stuff. You know, you learn that later on down the line. So I uh, start that's what really got me into the interest of dog training. So I started out there. Put myself through the academy, uh, got hired as a cop in 96 and was given a dog a year after. And for me, I look back on those years and I thought I knew kind of everything there was to know about dog training. Because there's that old saying, you don't know what you don't know. Well, I didn't know a lot, um, but I didn't know I didn't know a lot. So I was, you know, fat, dumb and happy. And it was I was really fortunate that I didn't get put into any kind of critical incidences to get me or my dog killed. Because when I look back, I was really ill prepared. And that was kind of the whole catalyst for us wanting to, you know, join this social media, you know, movement and get stuff out there. And so, uh, hooking up with a guy named Brian Mowry, um, who's a, a dog trainer up north of me, now works for the Secret Service, but I owe a lot to him because he was a pro trainer for Tritronics, so I got to see how to properly use an e-collar, because before that, it was it was taboo that we even touch them. And uh, also more of a reward-based system, because he was a uh, Schutzen helper and uh, actively involved in training Schutzen dogs, and that really gave me my foundation. And then over the next uh, 22 years, I just wound up uh, dog contracts. I've worked for cross-trained dogs over the years. Uh, when I first started out police dog training, I was getting paid $5 a dog per month to train a dog. And I was I was like ecstatic, like, man, somebody's actually going to pay me to train their dog, you know, in law enforcement. Uh, over time, the business has grown. And um, I've actually just recently retired December 22nd uh, as a sergeant for my local agency after 22 years. And now I'm just focusing primarily only on dog training, so um, it's just it's my passion. It's what I love to do, and I'm having a real blast doing the podcast. And, and like I said, like you guys, getting the information out there. And and real quick, uh, I heard your guys's podcast. I was out weed whacking uh, <laughs> on my property, mm-hmm. and I was I was listening to this podcast because uh, uh, Phil, one of our decoys, turned me on to you guys. And I was like, actually, like a thrill for me to be on the podcast with you guys because. <laughs> (laughs) Um, It's yeah. You clearly haven't met me (laughs) soon enough, right? Yeah. yeah. You you guys have been getting information out there for over a year now. Right. And um, you were kind of like the, um, you know, the forefathers of the industry.
0: Kind of the pioneers, man.
3: The pioneers, yeah. And uh, I don't know how many downloads you guys have now, but you have reached out, I think, probably not only this country, but but many others, I would think, right?
2: Yeah, ironically enough, I was talking about that the other day. Our second largest um, download country, or however they split it up, is actually Australia. I would have picked Canada or the UK, but um, to our Australian friends, uh, you homies are well into the 25 and 30,000 downloads. Um, wow. Yeah, total as a country. Um, Canada and UK are second, obviously, because we speak English. But, you know, I mean, we have pretty much every continent except Antarctica. I was actually looking at that the other day. But, yeah, we, we have quite a few <laughs> that have been, yeah, we that's we have made a, uh, a fairly far reach, which is good, um, which is part of the reason we all started this, which, you know, you brought up an interesting thing. You know, there's been some there's been some very um, common themes between a lot of the guests. And, you know, Greg, you're no different um, in kind of your background um, and kind of like how you got to where we're at now, which is kind of good. Um, you know, when we had Rignion similar very similar story. We had Aaron Taylor on very similar story, you know, so we've had a lot of guys that have been on that have a very similar story. One of the things that Bradshaw always talks about is, and you know, he doesn't have a similar story, but he's very well known in this industry, um, that this industry moves at a glacial pace. So the whole point of this podcast, and I'm sure you guys too, and for him also, and, uh, is to get the information out there is because like you said, you don't know what you don't know, you know, this whole scenario based training. Thing you know, Eric and I are partners in another company. Uh, we go around the country doing the the scenario based training or what we call IRIS deployment seminars. I just, I mean, my partner at the kennel, we just call it training. I I mean, it's not, I mean, it's how we always train, but because we don't have a state standard certification, if my guys want to do it, I always suggest they do. Then I train them specifically for what I call certification training and then we do everything else. So, you know, there's been some very common themes and we just saw the episode that um, aired today uh, is Bernard Carrick, former NYPD commissioner and who actually started out as a Canadian handler, which is kind of interesting. But, you know, The other common theme in this entire thing with a lot of our guests is they all got involved after 9-11. So it's good to hear that there is some very common themes. So a lot of guys listening, and I'm sure you're sitting in your car on the side of the road, that a lot of these guys that we're interviewing all have very similar stories, whether it's Eric or whether it's Greg or whether it's Aaron Taylor or Justin Rigney or Mike Suttle or even Mike Ritland, for that matter. I mean, everybody has a very, very similar story. It's usually like one of two things. So, yeah, it's really good to hear. For sure.
3: Yeah, well what's really cool about you guys, and I hadn't really heard a lot of trainers talk about it, and you just touched upon it, Ted, is is the scenario-based training, you know, or reality-based training. And I look at canine handlers, and let's face it, you are much more likely to be involved in a critical incident if you're handling a dog. You're not sitting on the perimeter, and this is why most of us wanted to become dog handlers, is because you know, we're sitting on a perimeter and we're like, God, I really want to be out there searching for the bad guy. And I'd love to do it with a dog. So just the fact that you're a handler out there and you're listening to this, you know, the odds of you being involved, you know, in a serious incident are, are way up there. And we have that opportunity. And guys, I don't know how many hours a week or a month you're mandated to train in your states. In California, it's 16. Is it similar with you guys?
2: Yeah, it's pretty much standard for the country. Yeah, yeah. that's the yeah, it's 16.
3: OK, so we have almost 200 hours a year of more training than most regular cops without a dog have. Right. And I think far too often we spend 195 of those working on our dog and not. Not You know, the force on force training. And we were talking before the podcast and, and sharing stories about, you know, how we set up a scenario and guys are putting a dog into a call that's really not applicable to a dog. Right. It should be, you know, a lethal force situation. But yet we're sending dogs because it's dog training. And, you know, we're doing that field work all day and we're not challenging the handlers to make decisions. And, you know, the big thing with our stress, our scenario based training is we're wanting to increase the stress stress of the handler and now let's see how the dog performs when the handler's under stress and can that handler make decisions because under stress because where we're getting in trouble is our decision making you know control was obviously a factor with our dogs but really we got handlers out there making some poor decisions under stress because they've never been there they haven't learned how to, how to handle that stress and perform under the stress and then the dog doesn't know how to react when the handler's under stress because Eric I, I don't know how you, you performed when you first got out there on on the street with your dog but I can tell you when I practiced it was like this I, like on the field it would be like send your dog for bite and I'd be like you know Stellen And then when it came down to actually deploying on the street, I was all like, you know, I'm running down the street and I'm screaming (laughs) at my dog. And, and luckily he wasn't handler sensitive, but that could have turned out completely different. And, you know, I wasn't really doing a whole lot of scenario-based training back then at all. And it wasn't until later that we started implementing it.
2: Yeah. You know, you touched on an interesting topic or subject, you know I mean? We, uh, because we sell finished dogs at Torchlight and I talk a lot with admins about selecting the right handler and I'm and you know, they're like, well, you know, with this guy's this and I'm like seniority needs to be like not one thing you look at. I said, you know, you're going to put these guys in a disproportionately higher percentage chance of using a lot of force. And I mean, out of any special operations or any special unit within law enforcement, whether it be SWAT or investigations or whatever, canine is routinely deployed daily and is in a in a unique position to either remove rights from people through probable cause affidavits and searches and whatever Else or by fucking biting somebody. And that requires a lot of maturity, a lot of very good decision-making skills. And you have to be a good cop already. That's what I tell guys and my admins. I'm like, you know, if you give a shitty cop a dog, it's not going to make him any better. It's just not. And it's going to make him worse. And so, you know, I tell them like, you know, if you have people that aren't afraid to get their hands dirty guys that may have some, you know, complaints of uh, use of force complaints that are unfounded. Um, assuming, you know, everything is on the up and up then, you know, those are typically guys that you want, like guys that are motivated guys, because I mean, it is a lot of extra work outside of being paid and, Mm -hmm. you know, but the upside of that is when shit gets wonky, like that's who they call. So, (laughs) I mean, you do get to go and be in the middle of everything and everybody looks to you. And, you know, we run some of these other courses where we integrate some with the dogs and SWAT team. That's one of the things that the um, handlers have a problem with is, you know, when they're running a call as a canine handler, they're usually directing backup and everything else, or they're trying to. And then when they run in with SWAT, they're having to take a role as running a leash. Like, they've got six or eight other dudes there with fucking lethal cover, and they're there with a leash. So, like, that's their job. So, a lot of the times, like, they have a problem, you know, going back and forth. But, yeah, no, you, you bring up as a fantastic point for sure.
3: Yeah. I, I say being a canine handler is probably the most difficult job as a cop. I mean, you have to multitask. You have to control your cover officers. You have to be aware of your tactics, control your dog, you know, work communications with dispatch, be aware of where the public is, set a perimeter half the time when you're en route to the call. And we do all this extra training with our SWAT teams. Yet you're much more likely to deploy as a canine handler than you ever will with a SWAT team. And I I was part of, I was on a, uh, as a collateral duty, I was part of a SWAT team and and was actually a SWAT team leader for a little while on a multi-agency SWAT team. And I can tell you right now that by far handling a dog was much more difficult than being a SWAT team leader, you know, in my area and with my experiences. Yeah. yeah, I could, I'd agree with
1: that. I've been in the same position of doing all that stuff at the same time.
0: So, Hey, Eric, I'm, I'm really interested, man, who's, you know, you've probably implement, uh, implemented reality-based training and scenario-based training at your uh, department before you retired. And, you know, what were some of the byproducts, um, some of the positive takeaways that you guys got from scenario-based training?
1: For, for the people that listen to your podcast that don't know who I am, um, I started in law enforcement in the early 90s and worked at a couple small little departments. And then uh worked for free at some departments you know part-time and some other ones and got um hired at my place in 1996 and it was funny because i had already been through the academy as an open enrollment guy and i got hired and so we had to do a couple months in um in our like departmental little training academy well, mm-hmm. that first couple of weeks, I think second or third week I was there, the um, USPCA national seminar was held in Canton. So the six of us that got hired at the police department at that time, the rookies, we had to help work that USPCA seminar. You know, I knew... I wanted to do everything when I got a, to be a cop. I want to do it all. I wanted to be SWAT, canine, dope, everything. I want to do all of it, mm-hmm. uh, except for traffic. You can fuck off. No, no, traffic. <laughs> Um <laughs> Anyways, I, uh, so I get, and then, and it was, it was amazing, right? And I always remember they assigned me, to this scenario-based training that this guy named John Skalski was doing. John Skalski was um, a handler, head trainer at Detroit PD. Detroit is the OK Corral, right? They're up there doing, I mean, he's talking about doing traffic stops and getting out and and the dude opened up on them with like from St. Paul, Minnesota. And those guys fucking rock and roll, man. Um, I don't know if they're still doing that, but they were doing it back then, man, in the 90s. So- they have the scenarios. They're setting up these pursuits, right? They're doing all these chases and they're doing all this cool shit and having a good time. And they, I don't know shit. They put me in a suit and we were at a park and they put me in the restroom. And so they're sending this dog in to find me and bite me. And, and I'm supposed to walk out with their dog. And I always remember I walk out and there's a guy from St. Paul, Minnesota standing on the roof of the bathroom. He had climbed up on the roof while his dog was biting me. and had a gun pointed at me. Get on the ground, you motherfucker. And, uh, I was like, boy, you guys do some things differently out there. Um, (laughs) But what I really remembered about it, man, was that John Skalski dude, he told a story uh, and it was a fucking crazy story about a a handler from St. Paul, Minnesota. that got killed tracking a murder suspect. And he knew the guy, he'd done some training with him and John, who is a battle hardened son of a bitch, man was crying while he was telling the story. Right. And he was talking about, that's why he's doing this crazy shit that he's doing in training. And I, I always thought man that's that's pretty that's pretty interesting. So fast forward to um you know, I get on SWAT. I'm doing all that SWAT stuff. I go undercover dope. So I'm doing all that stuff. Try out for, for canine once. I get seniority out. So towards the end of my time, there's another, my time in the dope unit, there's another tryout. I try out. I get in the unit in 2005. I go through the class, me and another dude with from my department, a couple of the guys from some other local departments there. And the class was 14 weeks and it was, I don't know shit, dude, right? So I, I, I just I'm going along with the trainer. Um, Trainer's a real good dude. Been there a long time, trained a lot of dogs. Um, At the time, Canton was only taking donated dogs. So, you know, one day the dog's tied to a tree, drinking from a hubcap. And the next day he's at the canine field, you know, trying to be a police dog. Um, So for my class, uh, I was. We were the first class where they bought dogs. So they send me and uh, Chris, the other handler, with another patrolman dude down to Columbus, Ohio, to this lady where they've gotten a couple dogs before. We're supposed to test, evaluate, and pick dogs. I don't know what the. F- I don't know what I'm doing, man. I have no fucking clue. And the. Handler, who went with us, he's a psychopath. He didn't fucking know shit. He's a, he turned out to be a jerk-off, man. Retired as a lieutenant, I hate his guts. So you can tell how much I like that piece of shit. <laughs> um, so anyways... Um, I get in there and I got this dog. Chris Chris ends up with like a nine-month-old. Nine months old, man. Um, oh. We got lucky. His dog Zeke ended up being a legend with like 150, 170 bites in his career. Um, oh, that was Zeke? Yeah. So I get, oh, I get a dog. So they give me this female shepherd is three years old, and I don't know shit about her. And she bit the sleeve when we were there at training, and she did or at testing and stuff. Um, we're going through class, and I, I don't know anything, man. You know what? She's she's biting because all we ever did in at that time was sleeves and scratch pants um maybe we'd mm-hmm. use the suit once or twice during that sleeve scratch pants field bites um you know regular building search bites and and I don't know anything right I get through class, graduate, typical of, of Canton City, right away, opportunity for a bite. Probably like you were saying, I'm yelling, get him, get him, get him, get him. She doesn't get him. She runs, looks for the equipment, runs around him. That first year, there were 17 people that she should have bit. Excuse me, 17 people that I tased that she should have bitten. There was probably another dozen that got away. If that tells you what kind of city it is and how busy that city is and how important it is for your dog to come out of training ready to bite right so they make me work this dog for three years on the road with no chance of biting anyone and all i'm doing is making excuses making excuses making excuses it wasn't perfect everything wasn't right meanwhile i'm begging for help and i'm not getting any help right um So when I took over, I vowed to the guys, um, I took over as the trainer, I got picked for training in 2010. And then my first class as the trainer was 2011. And I I vowed to the guys that I would never, ever put them through that situation, ever. And if we got him a dog and it looked like he wasn't gonna do it, we were getting rid of the fucking dog. And we were gonna make sure these guys had something because I was invested in those dudes, 100% invested in their lives. I didn't want to see them have to struggle for three fucking years on the road with a dog that wasn't going to save their life and wasn't going to help them. So I made sure that whatever I did, made sure that those fucking guys went home and, and they didn't have to beg and fucking plead for help that wasn't coming, right? Because I fucking cared. So right away, I start looking at what other people are doing. Um, not so... I, just going to seminars and talking to folks. And I start seeing a few people, not a lot, but a few people are like, yeah, man, we do. We're fucking jumping through car windows. We're crawling underneath shit. We're, we're doing stuff on the street. And then I started thinking about the guys back home that's what they're doing. That's what our bites, man, are all still person bites. They're all underneath shit and behind shit and under stuff and, you know, in the attics and all this other things that we weren't working on. Nobody's in a fucking open field. Nobody is running. Nobody is running down the road. Very few. Well, after that rant, I'm going to need a break. So let's go ahead and take a few. and We'll be back right after this.
2: Any working dog handler can tell you these dogs find magical and magnificent ways to hurt themselves. Hell, half of being a handler is keeping them from hurting themselves. Much like maintenance training, care and upkeep is an important ongoing duty of any working handler, no matter if it's military, law enforcement, search and rescue, or sport. I had a dual-purpose dog at the kennel that we were training that had a hot spot from a food allergy, and it was clearly bugging him. We had to continue working this dog. I didn't have time for him to take off. So our vet wanted to put him on some anti-inflammatory, and I'm usually pretty anti-med unless it's absolutely necessary. If you remember from the Janet Baker episode, certain medications will cause problems with detection, and I ain't got time for that. I found a product called Quick Term. ...from the people over at VetCare. I used this spray once a day for a week, and it was gone completely. We had another dog get a puncture wound during a track on his chest, and it probably needed a staple, but it was in a weird area. So I clipped around it and put this on there once a day for about 10 days, and it was like it never happened. This isn't a Me Too product. It's not relabeled. It's specifically made for dogs and uh, horses. Nothing like it on the market, and it works on wounds, but it also takes care of skin issues like flea dermatitis, hot spots like I mentioned... Lick sores, granulomas, pad injuries, and the dreaded happy tail, which causes the back of your patrol crews to look like the O.J. crime scene. It's a patented formula with a lot of science behind it. This shit really works. Due disclosure, I got tagged pretty bad and needed to get sewn back together a couple months ago. And I may have used it on myself, and it works great. We've all been there. I've eaten Bill Jack just to see what it tasted like, and I didn't die. The stuff is also temperature stable, so you can keep it in the patrol car with all the rest of your first aid supplies in the summer and the winter. And it'll help prevent small issues from becoming larger ones. And it'll keep the admins happy because the vet bills will go down. Head over to vetcare.us and use the discount code 10WDR. That's 10WDR and get 10% off. Get your working dogs working again and quicker with Quick Derm.
1: Hey guys, Eric here. If you listen to Working Dog Radio or follow me on social media at sk 9 you know that I am involved in a wide variety of aspects of the dog world. I am a police dog trainer, pet dog trainer, I own dog daycare, and I am a pet owner. So I have a wide variety of needs when it comes to gear for the dogs, daily living things for the dogs, all kinds of items, training, anything possible I need. I go to one place, RayAllen.com. RayAllen.com is a one-stop shop for everything dog-related. Anything you could possibly need, check them out. RayAllen.com. They've been doing it a long time. Great customer service. Super high integrity at that place. RayAllen.com. Put in promo code WORKINGDOGRADIO for 10% off your next order. Ted and I love that place. RayAllen.com. Get on there. Click everything you need ship it all at once rayallen.com for all things dogs Hey everybody,
2: it's Ted. Let's talk about training and conferences. We know training budgets are always tight and that's why the crew from HITS goes the extra mile for you. Let's be honest here. There's no other canine training conference on the planet like HITS. It has now gotten so large that the 2019 HITS will be held at the largest convention center in North America. That's Chicago's McCormick Place. Experience matters when it comes to putting on a show like this and when it comes to police dog trainers. The guys who run HITS are still working police dogs, just like you. There's going to be three full days of training with five classes In session at a time, toffers are going to range from patrol work and dog selection to case law to search and rescue to canine first aid and everything in between. They had 1,100 people in attendance last year in DC and are planning for more this year. And it wouldn't be a conference without the vendors. The McCormick Place has enough room for a hundred vendor booths. You can meet the people that make the equipment you guys use every single day. The vendors make coming to hits an experience like nothing else in this industry, plus the free stuff. Everybody loves free stuff. Last year, they gave about 40 grand in cash and prizes from vendors. I expect Chicago to be bigger. So come join the crew from Working Dog Radio in Chicago during the week of August 13th through the 16th at McCormick Place in Chicago, Illinois. Now, I know handlers, and I know you people wait to the last minute to do everything. Don't be that guy. Head over to hitscanine.net, that's the letter K, the number nine, to get registered and save money on your registration for doing it early. There's also information about the discounted hotel rooms. That's August 13th through the 16th in Chicago if you didn't write it down we got the link in the show notes
1: eric here like many trainers ted and i go through toys with the hard super chewer dogs we typically have in our kennel so we need toys designed to withstand the grueling reality of high drive working dogs that's where usa canine dog toys excel their toys are made from an extremely durable rubber compound they have reward toys as well as food dispenser toys all made to last and are very affordable all the toys are military themed go to the website www.usa-canine.com Check out the grenade-shaped toys, they got the cherry bomb, they got a lot of other great things over there, military-themed toys. Here's the best part, a portion of all USA Canine proceeds go to support military working dogs and other veterans organizations, and that's freaking badass. wwwusa 9com use the promo code K9PRO, or check them out on Instagram at USA Canine Dog Toys.
2: Hey, everybody, it's Ted. Let's take a break for a second. Let's talk about Dogtra. We make no bones about the fact that Eric and I love Dogtra. In fact, we've been users of them since long before we even started the podcast, and it's one of the reasons that we approach them to be sponsors of the show. We typically only want to have stuff on here that we actually use and that we can stand behind and endorse. Dogtra is one of those companies. They've been at it for a long time and are industry leaders when it comes to production of reliable, consistent training equipment for your dog, whether Be poppers and droppers, whether it be e-callers or now they've got the new GPS one, which Eric has been playing with and he really, really likes it. So, what I want everyone to do is head to dogtra.com. You get a 10% off of any item over $200 and you use the discount code WDR10. That's just like the initials of the show, Working Dog Radio. WDR10. Hit them up.
1: Highland Canine Training LLC. To all of my fellow LE Canine guys, Highland Canine should definitely be on your short list of vendors when it comes time to adding to your unit or replacing one of your dogs. Highland Canine offers green and pre trained single and dual purpose dogs if you train in house. But most importantly, they offer a full service canine academy with canine handlers' courses, canine instructors' courses, specialized advanced canine training, and canine supervisors' courses. Jason and his staff of instructors have been there and and done that in this game they run these classes year round so go to their awesome website at www.tacticalpolicek9training.com. that's tactical police the letter K the number 9 training.com and make your unit better
2: let me take a second and talk to the explosive handlers here everybody knows that HME is a huge problem now the problem with training on it is that it's extremely dangerous and a lot of times you guys only get access to it a couple of times a year which is not enough nobody wants to handle TATP or HMTD so enter k 9 that's TrueScent, the letter K, the number 9.com. They manufacture an actual odor, not a pseudo. It's an actual explosive odor suspended in silica. So they do TATP, HMTD, RDX, TNT, PETN, ammonium nitrate, potassium chlorate, and they do a distractor odor too so that you can proof the dogs off of the training aids, but it's actual explosive odor suspended in silica. It's safe to handle. You're not going to blow yourself up. You're not going to endanger anyone else. And the dogs, through verified testing that Trucent has done, will alert on both the training aids and then actual HME odor down the line through training. So hit them up. TruScentK9.com. That's the letter K, the number nine. truecent All right. We are back Uh, We had a little bit of technical difficulty during the recording of this episode, so we're going to pick up where we left off. And what you're going to hear is the middle part of the conversation where we were talking about the importance of the dogs being neutral to backing officers, Uh, is that they got to look down the alleyway and look where everybody else is looking. Once they figure that out, it's super easy. So then the dogs start looking towards backing officers. like, what are you guys looking at? Like, where is everybody? Like, everybody sees something that I don't, so where do I need to go? And I usually figure out that that has solved a lot of those issues of like kind of like friendly fire I guess. Dude that's a great You
1: know here point, real man. quick when you talk about that with the uniforms it's possible and I and mm-hmm. I'll admit this it's possible that our dogs bit a bunch of cops because I did not fucking work that much on uniform present That is highly, I, I accept that that is actually a possibility.
3: But, and here's um, the no, thing, Eric, and I think I think you're right. It's like, you know, we'll ask the dogs, but they won't tell us. So we're, we're never going to know for sure. And I've always been on the premise, like, ah, I don't think they do. And where this came from is I ran a scenario, and this is way unscientific, you know, this is like six dogs on a training day. And we were deploying the dog from the number four in a position in a stack in front of a doorway, and the dogs to run by the cover officers and go into the, the threshold to the building kind of to simulate like a, a kind of a tactical deployment with the handler being way back. And I had a guy just in jeans and a sweatshirt up in the front, and he kept getting drilled by the dog. They were going by and drilling him. I removed him from the equation, and then I had dogs running around and going into the, the building. So by far, it's 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 really not scientific. But, you know, to touch upon something that Ted just talked about, we now, we now train our dogs. When I first started this, and, and you guys can probably relate, it was like, okay, it's time to do bite work and I'd be like, Hey, you know, the, the handler would come out with his dog and be like, Hey, let's, you know, get a traction And our decoy would be like, <laughs> Hey, 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 you know, or I'm not going back to jail and take off running. And just like what you were saying, Ted, um, we've now gone to our decoy is either hiding or silently running. He's never making noise because who's who's doing all the yelling? It's our cover officers. And we're really trying to desensitize our dogs from going to the most interesting thing in the search. And a lot of this goes to, you know, training our cover officers and that type of thing. But I think there's just a natural thing for the dog to go to whoever's loud. But I mean, that's a good point. And if you guys are out there training, if handlers are listening to this, um, you know, my if if. The handler comes out and he can't get his dog focused on the right guy. Well, that's up to the handler because on the street, the decoy or the suspect's not going to go, hey, 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 send that dog, or I'm not going to prison, or do whatever to attract that dog. And so I think it's a good skill that the handler learns of, hey, you need to direct your guy on the, the, you need to direct your dog on the silent guy, right? The guy that's hiding or running away, and direct them away from the guys that are yelling, which is generally the good guy. Yeah, what is it you guys, three?
1: you guys have a statement or a saying that you give to your backup guys? Yes. When teaching them.
3: So this is the one statement that we say to, to all new officers and my agency when I left we were given four hours of canine handler training as soon as they were hired to all new hires and that is if you get nothing else out of our training it is don't be the most interesting thing in the search <laughs> and, and so I've had so I've had situations my last dog taught <laughs> me to be a better handler because he was that dog with low impulse control and he didn't care if you were in a uniform or not um, if you were the closest to me and he got in that high mental state of arousal um, it was problematic right for anybody that was close to me so it, I had to really be on my toes with them. and we had a situation and without belaboring a long story we were making entry into a backyard and the suspect was in the back corner and we wind up. We have Mongo with us, the big, you know, six, four, 265 and sixty five pound cop. And I'm like, hey, let's let's breach this fence, and we're gonna push into that yard so I can deploy my dog. He kicks the fence. The entire fence, the entire <laughs> fence goes down. <laughs> Fucking and, Hulk and, smashed. And, and, yeah, smash. And so, you know, Mongo smash fence. So we we jump over the fence. And I'm thinking I'm kicking my dog loose into this, this yard for a search, but my cover officers on my left push in in front of me. And now my dog's targeting that way. Well, he runs around the the Mongo guy, right, the, my, my biggest cover officer, and I have another guy yelling, with his his rifle out, you know, get on the ground, get on the ground, get on the ground. My dog never sees a suspect. He runs around and get one off in there and it doesn't work. And he winds up engaging my, my cover officer. I run over, take my dog off and we get this guy in custody. And I asked the guy, next to me, Mongo, who was like a newer officer, I go, hey, when you guys entered that yard, did you see me? He's, oh, I saw the suspect. I go, well, you weren't yelling. He goes, no, you guys taught me don't be the most interesting thing in the search. And so my dog had to run around him and engage. So that was just one learning lesson. And dude, I got a lot of learning lessons out there on the street, you know, for <laughs> 15 years of handling dogs. That could be a whole nother episode if you want to, you want to hear those. But um, mm. and we use that as a, an example and, and I'm not afraid to share my failures with people because I'm hoping somebody out There's listening and goes ah you know what that makes sense and maybe they can they can learn from from my failures Um, and that's what you know I appreciate you guys doing this podcast and as many people as you're reaching out there because man if we could all learn from each other as we push forward and not just learn from ourselves in in our own particular little region right and and making all these mistakes nationwide or you guys are international um, maybe there's a there's Mm -hmm. a mate in Australia that's freaking listening to this and going you know that that's a good point don't be the most there are search. Yeah, and that's yeah, man. awesome. And
0: it's a good point, Greg. And here's the other thing, you know, for our listeners, if you guys are handlers and, or if you're cover officers and you're dog guys too, and you got cover officers that are yelling and screaming, don't be afraid to tell them to shut up. And we were set up on a house the other day. We had a good perimeter and uh, we thought the guy was in this you know, detached garage. We had intel. You know, one of his buddies, came out and he was like, yeah, he's in there. So we set up on the garage and we start making cannon announcements. And then one of the SWAT guys boots the door. And so... So we all got our rifles out and and i i'm one of the rifle guys and, and one of our one of our good friends um has his dog out and the dog starts searching well guess who pops up in the in the house bad guy pops in the house and goes oh i didn't know you guys were here so uh, you know our handler grabbed his dog up and you know being the you know the go-getters that most of us are on the up front you know we go run to the front door and point a gun at him and hey come out and we got like four guys yelling and i, I had to be like hey shut up like let the canine guy give his command, you know, give his commands because somebody was going to get bit if that dog was under you know, under positive control. So, for yeah. new handlers out there, you know, control your cover officers. Um, if they're being loud, you know, tell them to knock it off. And
2: the other side of that yeah. too is we had a situation, and I made him do it in training where everyone else is yelling and the handler's yelling too and I'm like, and it was a situation where they needed to be, where the yelling needed to happen. And I kind of told the handler I was like, you know there's like six other dudes standing here right? And he kind of looked at me and I'm like shut the fuck up and control the dog. Tell him to down mm-hmm. tell him to be quiet. Let everybody else yell at this dude. And then when it's time to send him, fine. Because the handlers are like trying to yell at the suspect and yell at the dog. And it's something that Greg mentioned a minute ago, maybe before we started recording about how you send the dog and you're like, let's it, And all of a sudden dog's like what the why are you yelling bro so <laughs> all of a sudden you repeat the scenario over again and everybody's going ape shit and they're pointing guns they're young get the fuck on the ground blah, 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 doing the whole thing and the handler's like hey plots and the dog's like alright cool like you know and he's like looking around like what's everybody why is everybody yelling and before that the dog was just unhinged the handler's like yelling and fucking waving a gun around I'm like hey you got six other dudes with lethal cover worry about the dog don't worry about him like and so I mean it goes it can go both ways and that's what situation though I agree like you've probably been like hey hold on a second let's let the dog work but when the dog is there as cover or something else like where you may not need to use him the handlers like want to step in I'm like you need to just shut up run the dog let everybody else handle their shit <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. And, you know, we were in such close quarters with long guns and, you know, we were like, dude, if you could keep yelling, like, and the dog was just keyed on this dude. And he's, you know, big old swat guy with the beard. And I'm like, oh, here we go. You know what I mean? Like he's getting, you know, and I had to be like, hey, I'll give commands. And, you know, the, the, it it ended up working out, thank God, but it could have been real bad, you know? So it's, you know, in dog training, man, there's always more than one way to skin the cat. You know what I mean? And that's, what's so cool about contacting you guys and, You know, man, that's it, dude. Ted, I'm gonna try that—that little, uh, you know, pointing the flashlight at somebody or you know the spotlight and have it. It's amazing how well it works. I mean, yeah,
2: Broadway has been using it forever to highlight something important. (laughs) Yeah, we're we're teaching animals that lick their own ass and eat cat shit, so it shouldn't be that hard.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah,
2: we
0: had this conversation so guys, earlier. Work,
1: <laughs> working out in California, California's bad, man. You got you got a lot of dudes getting shot and hurt and killed, and you got a lot of dogs yeah. going down. So, yeah. so for you guys, is it's as important as anywhere in the country to get those dogs street ready and work. Um, what what are you seeing trend wise in training out there outside? of your group
3: Well, that's 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 a good good question. question. I mean, Um, it it varies so much. I mean, you will get from pretty um, high speed. What I would say is high speed training, you know, training for actual operations and working on handler tactics. And how do we integrate the dog into our tactics and that type of thing to we still have some pretty old school. And I say old school in quotes, trainers where, you know, and I don't want to offend anybody, but they're still like wing and throw chains out there and, you know, using, uh, choke change primarily and and you know not you know when it comes down to e-collar work you know they're they're putting dogs on a 127 and just using it as you know breaking the call off and stuff so unfortunately Eric I'd love to report and say hey we're all progressive out here and we're doing you know training that is you know using operant conditioning where we're using positive reinforcement using the e-collar correctly and you know doing you know high risk deployment type trainings like 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 you guys are training right now but unfortunately i I think there is a trend it's getting much better in training but i still think we still have some guys out there still doing things kind of the way they used to do it 35 years ago
0: yeah and eric as far as the the dog aspect um goes uh i I know greg and i are big proponents to uh, you know control work in the beginning and getting that certification and then the last couple weeks of our handler school um that's what we do is a a Ton of scenario-based training, and then getting these dogs ready for the street, and you know, seeing the barricaded rooms that they're gonna have to go into, getting tossed around, um, and a lot has to do with the selection of your dog. And I, you know, I think the selection of your dog is huge in getting them ready for the street. I mean, a lot of these dogs, man, they were born man or man-oriented, and they're gonna bite. However, um, that, that's one thing that our training group does a lot, as far as at the end getting these dogs ready to be successful on the street, um, and that's what these dogs. do. And and, you know, they're they're here to to bite you know bad guys and I know there's some other training groups in California out here that do that Um, and we've had pretty good success with you know just exposing our dogs to the uh, uh, difficulties that they're going to see on the street both you know environmentally and then with you know obviously uncooperative subjects you know trying to fight back and you know putting the most pressure on our dogs that we can and showing them that they're going to be successful if they if they fight back and overcome it.
1: Yeah Yeah, you know it's funny we did we did the interview with Frank ritter and um frank was talking about you know not even being a canine guy and seeing man it this is this can't be right like it's amazing what guys will accept or what what or brass or whomever will accept failures and non-deploy you know failure to engage and and you know, bad things from the dogs, and they just go home at the end of the day, and they come back to work, and they just keep calling the dog out, and keep calling. And it's not working, and not working, and not working, and nobody steps in and changes it. Yeah, the handler so it takes, has no idea what to do. Fuck no, man. It takes yeah. one or two guys to 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 step up and go, dude. N- no more. We gotta yeah. we gotta take a different approach here. Um, mm-hmm. And we see it, man. We see it a ton. And it's funny you mentioned that about the, the the collars and things like that. If I go train a group of dogs and they show up and all of them are just wearing a choke chain or just wearing a fur saver that tells me everything I need to know about their training. <laughs> everything. And I can always guarantee, always guarantee That's that profiling. their trainer... Right. That their trainer is my <laughs> age or older and started his career training wise in the 90s and only use and they don't use e-collars. They only use it on the worst dogs that are for recall and out. And they yeah. only use prong collars on the dogs that just doesn't get it at, at obedience. Um, <laughs> I see it nonstop. I every time. And I see some decent dogs, but every time I know when they come to me for the scenarios because their trainer's not doing it. Yeah. You hit
0: the nail on the head, my brother.
3: Well, and it's Mm -hmm. tough. And, you know, having gone to some of these conferences out here and setting up the scenarios... I'll be honest with you guys. I sometimes leave that conference and I shake my head and I go, I'm amazed that more handlers aren't injured or killed out there doing their job. When you see the level of training that is still out there and they're ill prepared to actually meet. They're basically me in 1996. And that's, I, I look back on that and that's the whole idea of getting this information out there. And I'm hoping handlers are listening out there and kind of like, Oh, that might be our training group, you know? And if it is, I mean, good job of listening to these podcasts. Podcasts and trying to pick up information, but man, do what you can and within your own agency to start raising these questions. And I know it's difficult when you're a handler and there's you know like a a, a real culture within your agency, or go outside your your group and go train with some other groups because that's where you really start seeing your level of training when you go outside your little pond and see what what these other trainers are doing. Um, there's an old saying. It says we don't rise to the level of our expectations; we fall to the level of our Training, and if you guys are just sitting out there on the field and you're doing field training, and you're not doing like what these guys, what Eric's talking about, what's Ted talk, Ted's talking about, about preparing your dogs and preparing your handlers and doing use of force training and training and having the handlers have to make decisions and showing these dogs these crazy pictures because I'm with you, Eric. I, I think showing them these just these weird things because you can't predict what the dogs going to see out there. So why not just throw everything out there at them and just you know it's basically like a stress inoculation. For dogs, and if you guys aren't out mm-hmm. there doing that, then then go outside your little pond and start getting some information because it's out there. And uh, you know, you guys have great social media content, and you're doing the high high risk deployment type seminars. Freaking host these guys to come out and freaking work with your dogs and work with your team. That would probably be the first step, right? Because I'm sure you guys have gone out there with your with your uh, your training and kind of opened up some eyes out there. I'm guessing. Oh yeah. One of the oh, things yeah. we do with the
1: high risk deployment seminars is not only do we so we we go, we f- we see their venue. Um, I don't need to see your venue two, three days in advance. I need <laughs> oh, about yeah. 20 minutes. We've talked about Get, that. Let yeah, me yeah. walk through your building and I'll come up with some fucked up stuff. I, I just need to see it. So then Ted and I game plan what we're going to do. But the thing is, in between all those scenarios, we talk to the guys and we give them other scenarios that they can take back. So in that vein, um, Greg and Tim, w- each, I'll have you each answer it. Um, wh- what is like a go-to, your favorite scenario, um, even if it's a, if you change it, if it's a little bit of a variant variation. But like, if your guys, if I talk to your guys and be like, so what's Greg's scenario? What does he like to do? What would be their answer? Baby scenario. Oh, baby!
3: <laughs> so I do this uh, what scenario. The fuck is it sounds, it? Oh, dude, it sounds bad, it. so I get I Tim, I first, put him dude. in a, I put him in a baby's bonnet, right, and then I put him in a onesie. So Tim's running around in a onesie. No, it's not like that. But, uh, so, so what it is? Uh, Don't thread me with a good time. <laughs> so what we do, uh, and I've got a couple of them. Obviously, I like the 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 one where you do the door pop, the dog's in a muzzle, and the handler's on the ground. You know, and the suspect or the decoys of above the handler and dogs go into this, I call it the weakest link syndrome where the dog reverts back to kind of more of an instinctual Type mindset and he drills whoever's on the ground. And that's always an eye opener. Cause I, I always go, hey, mm-hmm. does your dog love you? And to the handler like, well, what, what do you mean? I'm like, hey, does your dog love you? He's like, well, of course he loves me. I'm like, then you're gonna have no problem. And then I, I, I kind of set him up a little bit, right? And then of course, inevitably, probably 80% of the time, you know, the dog comes out of the car and just drills whoever's on the ground, which is in this situation, the handler. And then we work through it because if, you, if you've never worked it, I recommend you do that. And all we do is we get the dog thinking. So when he comes out of the car, we kind of have, the, we have the handler tell the dog down and we have the handler start to stand up and then he does a directional. And after a little while, the dog will run around the handler on the ground, but, and now they've got to react to whatever happens with this scenario. So the vehicle stops, the handler stops the vehicle, he gets out, the suspect comes out and he's got a baby in his arms. And now there's this banter back and forth. And I had the the decoy then to start slowly walking away. And I really try to entice the handler to send his dog like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. like show him that picture, that beautiful back picture that, you know, I think I can get my... Dog and you know maybe he'll bite the legs and inevitably when they send the dog and I, I feed the sleeve that's wrapped up and in, in, into the dog's mouth and I go dude never send your dog when a suspect is holding a baby that's a big never <laughs> and the, the funny <laughs> thing about that is I had had a handler come to me and he went hey I almost had a deployment the other day I'm like really what you had because well the guy was kind of holding this baby and like kind my of. dog would take uh, I think my dog would 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 take the leg and he turned around I was gonna send my dog and I'm like dude trust me you. Never Somebody's want to see like your Barry holding a baby. Yeah, so so that's what that was the catalyst for that scenario, and it it just, it just turns into a fun one to watch and see how the handlers think through. But um, we're always trying to come up with like some wacky shit like that, right? Oh, no, I'll be like, using that shit. Oh
2: sure. yeah, yeah, the, yeah. It, it, Ours is it, uh, we default to vehicle extractions of all kinds, and mm-hmm. um, one that um, my my guys do that's fairly <clears throat> that I would consider fairly advanced is we treat you know. I'll do vehicle scratches online, offline, multiple people in the car, one person in the car. No, the one that always is like, you know, they roll up on somebody and they're just behind It's tinted windows. And I'm like, are you going to go up to the car? And they're like, Whoa. I'm like, you can get shot, you know, and then they kind of look at you. I'm like, send the fucking dog in there. (laughs) They don't bite anybody. You're probably pretty safe. So, um, I make them do, uh, vehicle attractions where there's multiple people in the car. And then we send the dog in with a blank to clear it. Um, And then one big thing that I do a lot is skills conversion or drive conversion. They'll have a vehicle stop where they have to track fairly small track, you know, 50, 60 yards, whatever, to a building, do a vehicle where they have to do a building search. The dog gets its ass beat, gets super butthurt about it. Handler takes him off strong, takes him outside, immediately has to do an article recovery for something that somebody threw, and then take him back to the original car where they started tracking and then do a narcotics detection mm-hmm. on the vehicle. And then on top of that, I add stress by saying, you got five minutes to do all of this. Ooh, and so the handlers are like, fuck me. So, you know, in and when I try and set these up. Like I have a giant book that I have that I keep everything in that I try and work these independent skills um, with my core group of guys where I say, okay, like this is a skill, like the dog being neutral backing officers is, is a skill for, by itself, right? The building search is a building is a, is a skill itself. The drive conversion is a skill itself. The like, so everything is its individual little skill. So I usually set the scenarios up and it's scalable for dog per team. Cause I've got a, a couple of teams that are super experienced, super good handlers. And I've got some that are, really green and they're really good because they take direction well, nice dog, good handler, not a dipshit. And so I have to kind of scale things and manipulate some of the things for those guys. But by and large, uh, we do a ton of vehicle work because outside of a random ass building or area search, like that's what they're going to do felony stops. So they're like, well, we're not going to go up and roll this on this guy. We're going to get the dog out. And um, my guys have stopped suicide by cop. Uh, they do it all the time. They did several times last year. So people are like, you're going to have to shoot me whatever else. They're like, nope, send the dog through the window. And they're like, oh, the dog goes through the window? And they're like, oh, yeah, he will.
1: <laughs> yes, he will. <laughs> he will
0: come and get you for sure. So, Tim, what's your scenario? Well, the, the baby scenario was kind of my. my. No, I, I just. Uh... Oh, no, no, <laughs> I know Greg freaking stole it. stole it, huh? <laughs> no. So so uh I, you know, I like scenarios um kind of like the axe one you guys did the other day. Uh um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you know, I just like, you know, you pull up and hey, there's your guy, he's got a wand, he's biteable, but he's got a knife. And then you know, like he and I had this happen to me uh on the street. Uh, we had a guy at gunpoint and he had a big old knife and he kept on advancing towards us and he was far enough away where like I still needed to give verbal commands and then he stopped and he kind of well he'd been huffing paint so he like nobody was home you know what I mean so he uh, he dropped the knife and then he kind of he went towards it and then he dropped it and then finally after I very politely told him to get on the ground he got on the ground and um i so i kind of ran that canine style with our training group and uh just stuff like that where hey weapons are close Are you still going to deploy him hey you know start thinking about you know if you got multiple guys there and you got two guys there with lethal cover and uh you know tell the third guy to get on the 40 mil or tell the you know third guy to get on the the beanbag and, and and bag this guy and then send him you know and just stuff like that that makes these handlers really get out of their box you know out of the box and, and start thinking hey what are some other countermeasures I can deploy before I send my partner to you know something that that's pretty pretty damn dangerous how
3: about you Eric
1: yeah I, I like it um, one of my things is if um, <clears throat> you if I get a building with a, an elevator I will never pass that up. Never. <laughs> FYI. Um, yes. Uh, I love, uh, I do this scenario with, um, and I guess it's not even really a scenario. It's just a training thing. With uh, an elevator, where we have the decoy in the elevator. Um, smaller elevators are better, of course, but you send the dog, you just bring the dog around the corner and the decoy standing in the doorway. You get the dog on a frontal bite. So there's one thing um, with the dog. The, d- the decoy backs the dog into the elevator. The handler has to throw the leash in there. The decoy then, pushes the second, third, fourth floor, whatever it is, then closes the door and the handler then has to run up two, three flights of steps, which is actually my favorite part, just to make the handlers run two, three, four (laughs) flights of steps. So the dog is in the elevator, which is moving, on a frontal bite by himself without the handler there to baby him, talk to him, and then the decoy can put it on the dog. If it's a strong dog, he can really pin him into the corner, slam him around in there. We'll see the elevator. We'll hear it shaking in there and everything. Or if the dog is getting a little goofy, the, the, the decoy then can reach down and grab that leash and, and apply some back pressure. And work on good grip, you know what I mean? And and, and nice fundamentals. So that's that's kind of how you can scale it. So what happens is then the handler races up the steps, the doors open, and then he's there, good boy, and he grabs the leash and pulls back pressure right away, and they take the dog off. So everybody does that. Then we switch it to where the handler and the decoy ride up the elevator, together and when the doors open they're attacked by the decoy right away dogs startles the shit out mm, of them yeah but we want to see them re- react to that right boom gets the dog on a bite then what we have the decoy do is back up back up and kidnap the dog into a dark room so they open the door put the dog in shut the door so now the handler is outside the room. The decoy has got the dog and the dog is by himself to fend for himself in the dark, having just been attacked by this dude. And you take him in the dark, you don't leave him in there for a long time. But we have seen that part of the scenario, dogs in that dark room every once will so get a little wonky. Um, where you have to be sure. careful is we find them let go and come down and, and for some reason bite in the dick almost every time. <sighs> So if you're the decoy, they'll let go and bite you in the junk, which is funny, of course. Yeah but um, is indicative of some issues, <laughs> you know? Um, so that's something I, I, I like to do. And then 95% of my actual scenarios where it's actual hunting for men in buildings or outside is with a still person. The decoy is always 95% of the time oh, yeah. is a still person. Cause that's real. That's yeah. street bites are yeah, almost all still persons. Ours are about the same.
0: Yeah. Ted, yeah. what about uh, you now, man? Yeah. What's your, uh, what's your scenario?
2: Uh, just the any of the vehicle car extractions just like long line off light from the front from the back from the side from yeah. kicking this windshield out and my guys get fucking tired of doing it but they're really really good at it so yeah. <laughs> I mean that it's and cool. like I like running the axe one um, you know so the are a version of that uh, which is a bite no bite scenario and I'll do those minimum once a quarter where uh, it's a night where I don't work on skills I work on or I don't work on dog skills I work on handling skills like that scenario Eric and I ran in Albany had nothing to do with the dog I mean it was like the yeah. e- it was puppy shit for the dog they open the door and they see one of the three decoys standing there and he runs off and the dog queues up immediately and the handler's like oh fuck Stellan It sends him and you're like now what genius and they're like ah oh, shit I gotta hand clear 17 rooms Yep. and you just sent your dog to hang out for 9 minutes by himself with the decoy and on top of that they're wearing headphones listening to some shitty music Eric picked and they're hating life because they can't communicate with their backing officers so all of a sudden they're like fuck my so yeah I mean stuff where like Eric said stuff that like it's probably never gonna happen but I mean sure and and I think the outcome like you asked at the very beginning of the episode you ask you like you know what are the benefits you've seen the payoffs you've seen is that you get handlers and you get teams that are very effective and you get handlers that are very confident so they roll up and they can say hey they can tell backing office the dog is going to do this so go blah 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 over there do this and then let me do this and then will go and blah, 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 blah. They can form a plan in real time because they know they're like, okay, I've done this four times in training. And of the four times, they were slightly different and this, that, and the other. But this is probably what's going to happen. And the handlers have a library of things that they can pull from in real time and say, look, I've sort of done this and this is how. And if they haven't exactly done it, something similar, they can say, look, I've done something similar or this is what we need to do to ensure the best chances of success. Because all of a sudden, and you got somebody that's laying there. You got him spotlighted with flashlights. You got six dudes yelling and the dog's like, I don't know what to do. And then you're fucked. So yeah. <laughs> that that's um, we seek to minimize the situations where the handler's like, I don't really know what to do.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, mm. Definitely, man. Hey, real, real quick, guys, um, for, for our listeners, uh, can you go over HRD canine? Are you guys doing it together? And then uh, real briefly what it is and then where can our listeners uh, get a hold of you?
2: Um, So HRD police canine. So it's HRD police canine, letter K number nine.com. Um, it's with a, another guy named Ray Murphy that uh, owns a pet training business in Colorado, California and in Texas. And I think in Washington state um, who is also on the police side for Marine, uh, really good trainer uh, came through my police trainers course. And we go around the country, like Eric just said, um, doing this type of training or at least introducing people to this type of training. Cause there's a lot of stuff we didn't get into, like what roles they play, like who decides to write, the scenarios, like what the outcome of the scenarios are, you know, what the goals of the scenario are, because sometimes it's testing the dog. Sometimes it's testing the handler, depending on what you've got going on in the scenario, how you've got to set up, what your core training group looks like. You have dogs that are weak here, or you have handlers that are weak here, whatever it is. So during that, we help identify it and kind of give you a, not a plan, but like a, this is how we would do a training progression to, to address this scenario. So we backchain everything. We say, this is what this looks like perfectly. And I generally either have body dash cam or helicopter video of how these scenarios are done correctly and what it looks like perfectly Um, I generally don't show how they don't go um, unless it's a really bad like this is not what you should do Uh, so you'll be exposed to all that stuff but we'll break it down and try and identify for everyone the individual skill sets whether it's neutrality backing officers neutrality to fire biting people that are passive whatever it is whatever independent individual little skill that goes into making up this entire deployment and scenario, we try and back chain every single one of those and say, this is how you fix this independent piece and then go back forward, moving forward and fix every single thing moving forward so that you can roll up hot with your heart rate elevated, get the dog out of the car, give the, be given the information right then, run, make the decision, control your backing officers, know what the dog's going to do, send the dog in, the dog performs correctly, something goes wrong, backing officers choose to jump in when they should, blah, 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 blah. So there's any number of things 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 that happen and the officers typically have either a plan or have done something similar enough to that where if they follow the training progression that it should help them be exposed to what we're calling scenario based training. So, I mean, in a a nutshell, so we do and I think we're booked out through October. So we got Texas at the end of this month or well, when this plays, Uh, we will have just finished up in San Antonio. Uh, We're going to be in Pennsylvania twice, in Pittsburgh and in Philly. We're going to be in... uh, We don't have anything on the West Coast yet. I think Ray was trying to go to Hawaii. They talked to Honolulu PD, Hmm. PD, I think, which... I, I'd go. Fucking I mean, not a bad Jeez. place to go.
1: <laughs> I'm
2: like, I'll go. That's fine with yeah. me. Hall of the PD. If you hear this, let me know. Okay, we're so, trying to get someone in
3: California to bring us out, man. I, yeah. I like it well, out there. Yeah. We have a I lot mean, of East coast stuff scheduled. So guys, I think, I think it's going to be a time for us to have you guys out here and, uh, let's just do some training together. I think it would be a freaking blast. Yeah. yeah I we agree. Have a Good time. And I'm nighttime
1: is really good when we come out. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Uh, Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I might be old. I might be old, but I will work with you all day and... (laughs) Out part party you all night. <laughs> nice. That sounds
3: like a, yeah. like a challenge, Eric.
0: Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Dude, Greg can drink a shit ton of Chardonnay, so just be careful, guys. <laughs> oh, you're, you're the wine guy.
3: I, I like yeah, makers. Pinky I, up. I, pinky I do a Manhattan, which I know it doesn't sound manly, but you, have you guys ever had a Manhattan? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, okay, I, so I, that's I a man beer. drink I right drink. there. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I drink beer into, beer into my
1: vagina. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: I beer bonged yeah. it in my hoo hoo. <laughs> at least she's gonna be pissed. Um, uh, so listen uh, for, sure our right. yeah. for, our, for our listeners, right? Yeah, uh, for for our listeners, tell them your social media outlets. Where can you be found?
3: Well, and we've got a couple of them. Um, you can see me on Instagram at DTACK9, which is d t a c k the number nine. Also Facebook and um, Tim. Why don't you tell them yours?
0: Yep. Yeah. The uh, for Instagram, which I'm eh, kind of active on, uh, TKO Working Dogs. Uh, it's on Facebook too. Um, and then you can also get us on email or on the website, DTACcanine.com and uh, you can hit us up there for training classes and seminars and all kinds of good stuff. So again, Canine on Instagram, Facebook, TKO Working Dogs on Instagram, Facebook, and then uh, the website, detactk9.com
3: Yeah, and I'll tell you guys, uh, my social media game is weak I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work on that. Cameron Ford called called me out on that over the week we were at the CNCA conference and <laughs> he's like so when are you going to up your social media game? I'm like I know, I know it's like old dog new tricks kind of things uh, I Cameron noticed, talking I noticed, a lot of shit for a guy who sure just started social media <laughs> no shit. a few months ago <laughs> oh yeah yeah. now he's the expert
1: so, he says so he's, he's trying to right, show some tricks. Right, he's learning. So on the Police Canine Radio podcast is there a, uh, a scam a rhyme or reason to when you put out episodes when, when should you guys look for that
3: yeah we drop it every Wednesday morning uh, 0200 Pacific Standard Time so we're, we're trying to do it weekly right now um, it's been challenging but we've managed to do that and uh, whenever we, we can we try to steal a guest from you guys we stole Janice Baker from you guys and, uh, yeah, yeah she's Absolutely. awesome Justin Rigney, and and that's the beauty of this because I really didn't know Justin much. I saw a little bit on social media, and uh, that cat came on and and he is he was Phenomenal. an excellent interview. Yeah, dude, yeah. he's gangster as
2: shit. Phenomenal. Yeah, he's he knows yeah. he's a uh, he's a dog guy
0: for hey, sure. Hey, real quick, real quick, fellas. So the other day I get home on like one in the morning after like a seventeen hour shift, and I'm eating my heart attack in a sack, and I throw on the TV, and it's like an old Cops episode. I'm like, oh, this is cool, and it's like in Florida, and then b- pops the. It's like an undercover sting. And guess who was the undercover guy? Yeah. Justin Rigney. No. Yeah. No great shit. Dude. And he was like fricking juiced, like freaking Yeah. Juiced. I was going to say, did you do pushups before? Cause you knew the camera was going to be there. Dude. I was <laughs> like, <laughs> dis- this guy placed the undercover part well, man. So I, the, other, the next day I'm like, I'm like, great, dude. I just saw Justin Rigney on cops, man. I'm, I'm so <laughs> fucking stoked right now. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that is fucking so fantastic man. yeah man it's a small world <laughs> right. dude but hey thank you guys man we've been yeah. wanting to do this joint episode for like months now so thank you for having us on and and we're gonna we're gonna man. drop this episode um the same date you guys are dropping uh the 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 episode on your guys uh platform excellent which yes, should be march probably 3rd. the 13th i'm
1: thinking uh, was,
2: Or yeah i don't know i have to ask alicia march i don't know
1: we will be in or that's yeah i don't know I don't, well, fuck, Eric. We love USA Canine Dog Toys. They are inspired by military objects and built to withstand the demanding use of professional canine handlers. USA Canine Dog Toys are made in the U.S. from adorable Super Chewer rubber compound. Ted and I love them and use them all the time. Go check them out at wwwusa 9com Use the promo code K9PRO
2: headquartered in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Tripwire are first responders that are dedicated to serving other first responders. They believe the most highly trained ensure a safer America, and they prepare law enforcement, military, and first and emergency responders to protect our country by providing products, services, training, and relationships that no one else in this industry can touch. Head over and check them out. Tripwireops.org. That's tripwireops.org.
1: Since 1987, Bill Heiser and Southern Coast Canine have been providing better training, better service, and better dogs. Bill personally hand-selects every dog in Europe to ensure that the quality is always up to his standards. Every employee at Southern Coast Canine is charged with being a guardian of their values. Those values guide both their business and personal relationship. They believe that their dedication to the fundamental tenets of honesty, integrity, and fair business dealings ensure a legacy of success. So when you or your canine unit is looking for that dog, the one that will perform at the highest level, be sure to give a Southern Coast Canine a call at 877-903-DOGS. That's 877-903-3647. Let them know that Eric and Ted from Working Dog Radio sent you.
2: You got your reasons. I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm